Cheerscast is a part of the Fire and Water Network. Fraser has thoughtfully and romantically arranged for us to be married at the Marino Estate. It's somewhat of a landmark, one of the most beautiful estates in Florence. So are you going to say yes? You think I should say something else? No. No, you don't think I should say something else? or No, you think I should say no? Yes. Yes, you think I should say yes, or yes, you think I should say something Diane, else? Diane, congratulations. I'm, I'm very happy for you. I see. Well, if you have nothing more to say, I'd better be getting back to Fraser. I understand. You probably want to accept before he sobers up. <laughs> Welcome back to Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and I am happy to welcome back for the season three finale the hosts of the newly reminted Married Watching Cartoons podcast. Please welcome back John and Maggie Schaefer Hames. What's up, you two? Hello. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for having us back on. I, I, I considered not um, the last time you both were on the show, Maggie was overly critical of my favorite coach episode. Um, <laughs> That's right. right. And it, it hurt. It hurt. Uh, so I wasn't sure I was ever going to have you back. Um, but given this episode features a wedding, sort of, um, and, and Frasier, who I know is dear, near and dear to you, uh, I decided to take a chance on, on you guys. So That's awful nice. We'll do you proud this time. <laughs> All right, so we are talking about the Season 3, Episode 25, Rescue Me, written by Ken Esten, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, May 9th, 1985. While traveling through Italy, Fraser takes Diane to the restaurant of a world-renowned chef. Despite the ominous news that the chef just died, Fraser proposes to Diane and tells her that he has made arrangements for them to be married the next day if she says yes. Before she can answer, Diane spills her drink and excuses herself to clean up, and then immediately calls cheers. She tells Sam about Fraser's proposal, and Sam can't hide his amusement that her first instinct was to call him before she gave Fraser an answer. His amusement vanishes, however, when she says the wedding is tomorrow, if she accepts, that is, unless Sam gives her a reason not to accept. But Sam doesn't tell her how he feels, so Diane hangs up and tells Fraser that she'll marry him. Later that day, Sam daydreams of himself gallantly interrupting the wedding on a Florentine estate. He declares his love for Diane, and she, in turn, reciprocates, as he sweeps her off her feet and carries her away from a... Very, very understanding Fraser, Diane says that she will always stay faithful and true to Sam, even if he wants to see other women. At that point, the dream ends when Carla wakes him up. Sam wonders aloud if he could even get to Florence in time to stop the wedding, and Cliff confirms that he can. On Sam's order, Cliff books him a flight while Carla and Norm, to a lesser extent, try to talk Sam out of going. 
Undeterred, Sam rushes off to stop Diane's wedding, whether it's because he wants to marry her himself or he just doesn't think she belongs with Fraser is mm, a little nebulous. Later that night, Diane calls Cheers, hoping to find out that Sam has done exactly what he has done, gotten on a plane to stop her. When she mistakes Sam's answering machine outgoing message for Sam still being in Boston, she gives up on Sam and suggests to Fraser that they get married right away. At the same time, Sam is somewhere over the Atlantic. Will he arrive in time to stop the wedding? You'll have to wait to season four to find out. All right. Uh, as I was describing the wedding scene in particular, I could just tell how much Maggie loved this one <laughs> and, and Diane's reaction. I was just like, oh, this is going to be a good conversation. <laughs> um, I, 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 I kind of want to push back the um, that part of it, the, the wedding sequence, and really Sam's kind of motivation throughout the second half. I, I kind of want to hold off on that discussion. And I kind of want to talk at first about how this is a weird episode, and I think this is kind of a Frankenstein episode, in part because we have the teaser at first, and it's it's kind of well-known and well-documented that Nikki Calasanto had died months before this. Coach was gone. They had numerous episodes at this point without him being in the picture. They made excuses for why he wasn't there. They even At this point, they've just given up on that. Um, but now, after three episodes without seeing him at least, we bring him back for this teaser because this was something that was filmed earlier. They had this sitting around, and they were like, you know what, let's use this as a tribute to him. This will be our last time that we see him. And it's a very funny teaser. Like, you can actually see the, the, the setup is that he's he's at the bar, and another old guy recognizes Coach. Coach doesn't really remember him, but the guy says, you know, I'll give you a hint. They used to call me Fancy Dan. So naturally, Coach guesses the guy's name is Joe Pitney. Oh, <laughs> the guy says his name is Danny Corelli, and Coach recognizes that name and announces to everyone at the bar that he was one of the greatest ball players who ever played the game, despite the fact that he was blind. He couldn't see anything. <laughs> at this point, Danny has to correct him and say, no, they called him the blind man in playing shortstop for Topeka because he sold Venetian blinds in the offseason or something like that. And <laughs> Coach has this crazy, my God, how did he find the door? Doorbell, refusing to let this thing go. After Danny leaves, Carla says, you know, I think he can see as well as we can. And Coach has this line, like, in some ways, Carla, he can see more. And he's kind of, like, looking off. And that is our final glimpse of Coach. It's it's kind of heartbreaking in retrospect, looking that, you know, that's kind of his last line. That's our last look of him. The thing is, what's pretty obvious, like, if you forget about the coach of it and just focus on Carla. She does not look pregnant in this scene. She does not. And yeah. also this was from a while ago too, because coach does not toward the end. He looked very, very sick. Yeah. And in this one, he does not, it could have been possibly from a year previous. Entirely like. possible. Yeah. Who knows how and long it, they had this. I am so glad that they were sitting on this joke and that they had <laughs> the, you know, cause they didn't really have much of an opportunity or they chose to not take an opportunity to do a farewell episode mm -hmm. for him which is uh, kind of a sour spot in my, my life on this but just that they had that and were able to to find one of the most coach jokes that didn't get hit in the head with a baseball you know? yeah yeah i mean this is right up there with is ernie pantuso here speaking that's you coach you know it, yeah i mean it's an old joke it reminds me of the vicar of dibley joke 
about the... Are you familiar with that show, Ryan? No, I don't think so. Oh, it's, it's a BBC show. It's about a, a progressive female pastor of getting uh, assigned to this uh, vicarage in a mm. very small British town. Mm-mm. And at the end of it, she's always telling a joke. And the joke just, just very quickly goes, that it's a nun who, while the rest of the nuns were, were out doing things, was alone. So she was taking her bath and got out and uh, forgot to take her towel. And there's a knock at the door. And she's like, oh, no, what do I do? She says, who is it? He said, it's the blind man. He said, oh, okay. He opens <laughs> it up, opens up the door. The guy says, nice tits. Where do you want the blind? <laughs> nice. Nice. Classy. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I agree with the point about it's they didn't give coach a farewell. And I think part of it was they built the second half around the season around Diane's exit and to have both of them at the same time, especially because I I mean coach's death would have been really traumatic and heartbreaking for Sam that and for true. Diane to be absent for that part or for Diane to for Diane to leave Sam right after coach goes right after coach dies. Um, intentionally, deliberately, I think would have been hard to swallow. So I think they made the decision that since Sam's got focus has to be about Diane leaving and the, the, the possibility that she'll never come back, they can't divide his attention, this, with the loss of Coach, too. So they just made excuses for him not being there. I understand the thinking if that was their way of going it. I do think they missed out on a way of paying a greater tribute to the fact that this this great character was gone um great actor too so yeah it's it's hurt but a great bit to go out on and I, it was kind of nice that they after he says it and looks off it's just silence and yeah open. yeah yeah they, they hold on that too yeah uh then when we come back after the credits the next scene this is why i think this was like a weird frankenstein thing because the next scene, maybe this was supposed to be the original teaser, or this was a teaser for something else, because it's the scene that has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Cliff is on the phone, and he hangs up, he's really mad, he's upset, because he just struck out with a girl that he was hitting on, who turns out is was Vera's cousin, Natalie. He's upset with Norm, he said, you said that she would go out with me, and Norm goes, no, I said she would go out with anyone. And... <laughs> find out of course what did what did cliff do wrong that got him to strike out cliff had this obscene phone call imitation this pervert prank where he starts doing this heavy breathing and trying to like to ask her what she's wearing thinking that this would be a great icebreaker with this woman he's never met before because he says that mom rolls on the floor whenever he does it like this is something (laughs) that that his mother finds hilarious it's like Cliff, what the hell is wrong with you? And that's why at that point everybody just gets up and walks away. Yeah. Um, and, and he's like, they they leave with Cliff saying, "Oh, sure, yeah, tomorrow you're all going to be using it." Now the and reason I, I don't think almost th- hear the piano. Exactly, you, into the- you can hear the yeah. piano striking that. Um, and the reason for that is because Carla's costume. At this point, now we see Carla. She is advanced like five months in her pregnancy when yeah, we see right. her in this scene. But she's wearing a different costume than she is in the rest of the episode. So it's not just like the next time we see them, it's later in the day. This is clearly some passage of time. So I'm wondering if that, that was supposed to be the original teaser. So what did they cut out from this? I, I have no idea. Or bits about poor unfortunate chef. <laughs> yes. Um, this is the, because then when we get to the actual plot of this episode starts in Italy with Fraser taking Diane to this exclusive Italian restaurant with the world-renowned chef Luigi. And 
I don't think this is the funniest episode of Cheers, but this might be my funniest recurring gag of the entire 11 seasons. Well, for sure. It was so funny. <laughs> that maitre d' stole my heart. The, the, yes, the waiter, the maitre d', played by Martin Ferreira, who is not known as a comedic actor. Um, no. I think most people, if they recognize him, they know him as the slimy lawyer from Jurassic Park who gets bitten on the who gets bitten on the, the toilet. Or the, the he's a pretty seedy guy from oh, Miami Vice too. The guy yeah. who gets eaten on the toilet by the T Rex. Yes, the Maitre D. Yes, that's yes. amazing. That's the same guy. Yeah, Martin Furrier. I did not know. Yeah, who who plays that type? Yeah, but he's also and the the weirdest thing is, and this like goes back to something that I did earlier in the season. He has two credits in Cheers on IMDb. He is credited with appearing in an earlier episode this past season, hmm. but he's not. Like I looked, like it's it's like he's uncredited as this cameraman in one episode. But I I rewatched that when I heard about that. I was like, that is obviously not the same actor. So it's a hmm. mistake on IMDb because when I saw, it, I was like. Martin Ferrero is not in this. I know when Martin Ferrero shows up in this show because he's the waiter at Luigi's, <laughs> or we should say Luigi, because you have to you have to feel a pain in your heart, like an, an under your diaphragm is stabbing a pain. Yes, when you say it, and everyone, it, and it never gets old. No, it it's never the does. Same joke done at you about eight times, and you laugh more every one. Well, and I think part of the joke is helped by the fact when he uh, when he gives the line. He, that the current chef studied under there's a brief pause <laughs> and then he doesn't say Luigi and he doesn't even like have that, that agonized sound of his voice he's able to get out the greatest chef in the world <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it starts all over again the next time he brings it up it is hysterically funny well, yes. that's, I mean that felt like the, a, a baby Frasier episode yeah. yeah the scenario of it and even Frasier's delivery of the line is the most later Frasier that you've, I think we've seen so far has he goes, boy, can I show a girl a good time or what? Yes. I mean, yeah. That was Frazier. You could see him saying that to Niles or to Martin or anybody. Or... You're right. You're right. This five minutes was like a beta test for Frazier, like yeah. eight, eight years early. But you're absolutely. right. You're absolutely right. Because this whole setup, like, when they go, yeah, because they're, they're talking, they talk it up. It's like, this is the best chef in the world, or restaurant in the world. He's lucky that he could get seats. They go in there. It's empty. There's no one there. And it's like, what's going on? <laughs> they find out that they just buried Luigi that day. And, and it's like, why are you still open? He's like, it was one of Luigi's last wishes. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's the pain like he can't he's like trying to pour water he's like well what what do you recommend he's like the calamaria Luigi and he's like every boat and then and then yes like yeah the whole the whole bit with Frazier and everything and and the capper because after Diane runs off and makes the phone call and then when she comes back the next time we see him Frazier is consoling this poor waiter like kind of tapping him on the back, he's like, "There, he's like, I'm sorry, Diane. I was just ordering the chef special." <laughs> it's very much Frasier, and it actually it makes me think of the. I, I think I'm getting the episode of the or the title of the episode right is um, "Dark Victory," where Frasier and Niles buy their like this old restaurant together, and it's one of my favorite episodes of the entire series. And I I got little tiny bits and pieces of that. In the uh, Frasier and Diane parts of this episode, I was very happy to see. It's great. It's great. I love Frasier in in Cheers. I was telling John when we were watching the episode, you know, we watched it a couple times to prep. And I'm like, it's just so much fun as a Frasier fan, as as big a Frasier fan as I am, to get to see, like, the very nascent beginnings of my favorite TV show Mm -hmm. in Cheers and just to... 
pick out those little bits and pieces of it. It's it's been it's a lot of fun for me to pick those things apart. It's real fun to me because I watch as much Fraser as Maggie does now because of what with I'm married <laughs> to her and all. You don't have much of a captive audience. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love looking at going back and looking at Cheers, which is one of my favorite shows anyway, to be able to look at it as a Fraser prequel is pretty <laughs> yeah. special. I mean It's a lot of fun. In a, in a lot of ways, this was sort of, I mean, this is, uh, as the season finale, this is kind of the culmination. This could have been our last time seeing Frasier. I yeah, mean, oh, as a character sure. who was, who was pulled in just to be the romantic foil, the obstacle to see if, if Sam and Diane can get back together, will they get back together? The assumption, I mean, they're your, they're your romantic leads. They're the stars of the show. Of course, we think they're going to get back together. So he's just the obstacle in the way. And was he going to be in eight episodes? Was it going to be in 12 episodes or something he ends up being in a lot more because i think they just they knew what they had when they cast kelsey Grammer. but i mean it, it always had to come to this point where she has to she has to decide and it's gonna it's gonna come down to being at the altar does she marry him and have a life with him and you lose those characters or does she stay with Sam? the question is why would fraser ever stay in the picture after that and we'll get to that when we get to like the next season why why he comes back but i do think at this point we've we've spent enough time with fraser to know that he weirdly does fit in their world for some reason that boggles any kind of logic fraser and sam get along together they like each other they 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 have this weird friendship that in some ways is stronger than their relationships with diane and it definitely will be later on in the series yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it's it's cool because, and I, I don't want to get into obviously season four, episode one, where where this whole episode is resolved. Mm-hmm. But later on in Frasier, in the episode called the episode or the show where Diane comes back, yep. you know, Frasier has different reactions to like when Lilith comes back, for example, uh, and she shows up in multiple episodes throughout the series. And his reactions to her showing up are one thing, but the, the show where Diane comes back, he develops a twitch. Uh, <laughs> he he completely falls apart and loses it, and has to kind of like almost put the pieces back together. Then years afterwards, as if he'd never really part of the whole theme of that episode is actually not getting closure from what happens from this finale and then the first episode of the next season and and that's a really good point this you know this is i think we're going to get to a pretty pivotal episode in the narrative of sam and diane in the you know will they won't they to my mind i think it resolves it but we can talk about that in a bit but what gets um you know what you don't want to miss out on this is also a very pivotal story in the relationship of frazier and diane oh yeah and we find out in frazier episode later in my favorite one what is it, Don Juan in Hell? Don Juan in Hell Part mm-hmm. 2. Not to be confused with Don Juan is Hell. <laughs> uh, but Part 2, where he's you know, he's having a psychotic breakdown and he's imagining conversations with all with Lilith, with Diane, with his other ex-wife, that mm-hmm. he, and his mother. And in that one, at one point, Diane is there and he turns and Diane is painting a portrait of Sam. <laughs> so even this... It's my favorite thing ever. This fictionalized version of Diane in that his, he's in like... In, head. In, in his head that he's reaching to is still at, obsessed with it's Sam. It's still pining so, for Sam. But that's how much this event is that's, sticking to him deeply in, yeah. the, in his old core self. Uh-huh. And that is a wonderful bit of writing of calling back and great character work for sure absolutely paying attention to details and remembering those kinds of things yeah don one and hell part two that's a that's a great fraser episode and it all or at least a, a good chunk of it stems from this episode of cheers 
So, okay, so then I think we, I mean, now we have to actually get into the proposal of it and, and mm-hmm. the whole fact that, I mean, th- this is something that has been forecasted. The, I mean, as much as she's denied it, like her relationship with Frazier hasn't been easy when she developed a psychosomatic allergy to commitment to him to mm. when he first, just a couple of episodes ago, when he asked her to go to Europe with him for six weeks. One of her first, the first way she reacted was thinking about all of the things that in her life that she would have to put on hold if she left, and one of them was Sam. She didn't say her job at Cheers. She phrased it as Sam, and Fraser picked up on it, and then she started kissing Sam and almost went to bed with him by the end of that episode before kind of coming back to her senses when she saw that a relationship with Sam would be passionate and hot, but also full of venom and hatred. I think, I mean, Norm, Norm puts it out for them later in this episode when he's like, you two yes. are wonderful, special yeah. people alone, separately. Separately. Individual. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, when he asks her to marry him, she spills her drink and, and kind of excuses herself. What does she, she calls Sam. Red flag right there. Like it is clear, she oh, wants time. she wants an answer from him. She's asking him for an excuse not to marry him. So when she doesn't get that, like, and, and, and she gives him two chances in this episode. She give, I think that's where the title "Rescue Me" comes from. She gives Sam two chances to save her, and then she falls back on Plan B, which is Fraser, which is why, and, I, and Fraser recognizes that by the end of this, or, or certainly by the next season, Fraser knows that's why, in his mind, she's painting a portrait of Sam. Yeah, it's like because that's who her heart belongs to. And would she have married Fraser? Well, we'll find out. But she, yeah. that, it, it was a consolation prize. He was a runner-up for her. And what I love is how masterfully Shelley Long does selling that whole thing with a relatively few bit of lines that could have been sold either way. When she does, oh, well, of course my answer is she's saying it out loud with the look that you would think she is about to say yes. But her very body is sabotaging this mm-hmm. and reaches over to, and, and uh, to knock over. the thing down yep. with as almost as if her her brain has no conscious control over doing it. It's a very well done scene. And then the de- the building desperation in her face that's building up while she's talking to Sam in that phone call, which is a stunning bit of acting of both of them. If you remember that neither of them are actually talking to each other. Right. Yeah. Actually, just to build off of that, with Shelley Long's performance, especially in the, the telephone scene between her and, and Sam, there's a, a, a line that she delivers that I thought was really subtle, and it made me kind of think, if you remember that episode of, was it St. Elmo's Fire? Or what's the hospital? from the- St. Elsewhere. Oh, St. Elsewhere. Sorry, you're on one, yeah. <laughs> Say, it's St. Something, whatever, hospital show. Remember the lady has to get the abortion, and she doesn't want to do it, but her husband makes her. And something mm-hmm. breaks in the apartment, and she gives him this look because he says, oh, we'll just replace it. And she says, yeah. well, that's what you think about everything. And right. It's kind of the, the emotion on her face is what she was thinking. Shelley Long says that Frazier has very thoughtfully and romantically planned for them to get married the next day at this really fancy villa. The way that she says thoughtfully and romantically, because she says it a couple times throughout that uh, conversation with Sam, it's not what she means. She means without talking to me about it first. Mm-hmm. And not in any way whatsoever expecting this. Her motivation is pure, like, she, she's kind of almost in, like, a fight or flight. Yes. You know, she's, that's why she goes to Sam, to see if she can get out of the situation that she's created for herself. And speaking of desperation, how desperate is it that Frazier seems to know from a couple episodes ago that Diane's not really 
reciprocating the depth of his feelings for her. And so he plans to get her in this, you know, secluded romantic little restaurant and propose to her and then rush her off to get married the next day because he thinks that he'll lose her otherwise. Because <laughs> well, he knows that she doesn't love him like she like he loves her. Yes. Well Sam, Sam actually jokes when she when she before she hangs up when she says she has to get back to Fraser, he says, I understand you want to accept before he sobers up. <laughs> but but yeah when when she says she proposed or something he's like what did you say and she's like i haven't answered yet the smile on ted danson's face he's mm-hmm. like oh he's like you the, your first thought he he asked you to marry and you went to me and he's li- he he's enjoying this he's gonna play this up for as long as he can until she mentions the wedding will be the next day and then he's like oh hang on this is more real than i thought is like now, now, now she's putting him to this fight or flight moment, to the same way that Fraser yeah. put her to it. She held back that piece of information. If you'll notice, she was playing her cards a little carefully with mm. Sam because she mentioned that they were going to get married, but she didn't say the next day until he was kind of doing his Sam Malone game thing that he does with women, and especially with Diane. You know their rapport, mm-hmm. um, and then she brings up that it's going to be tomorrow, and that's when Sam's like, oh. And what Diane is saying, so if you're going to do something about this, you've got a limited amount of time to do it. It's such a good episode. There's a lot of good, a lot of subtlety and a lot of emotion going on in in the episode. And whatever you do, we hope you haven't bought an answering machine for Mr. Anton Chekhov's uh, (laughs) Emporium. Oh, yeah, that answering machine. That comes back to fight him. Well, kind of. In his head. That joke was early. That joke was old then. Apparently. Yeah. Uh You're talking to a machine and I'm a jerk. He does. What is he? Yeah. What he said. He when he's leaving the message when he's um playing. He's like, you know, leave me, leave your name, your number, and something that will get me hot. And then <laughs> Carla's like, you know, I hope that's for your business. He says, I wouldn't waste a bon mot on something like that, bon like mot. for business. He doesn't pronounce it bon mot. He says bon mot. <laughs> and then when the phone rings, when Diana is actually calling, and the, the rest of the guys are pretending like they're too dumb to know how to, <laughs> to take a phone message or something like that, yeah. like, Sam is grabbing it. They're just like shooting out jargon or something. Norm is in the background going, Flash Gordon, Flash Gordon, Zarkov, call me, or something like that. He starts thinking, I was, I'm like, hang on, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do I have to get the, the LBC guys on this episode to talk about Flash Gordon? <laughs> So. Oh, speaking of sci-fi weird references, in the um, Italy scenes, I think, in, as an attempt to make it seem more Italian. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh, the movie posters. Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Empire Strikes Back, Italian. Oh, yes, cool. Yeah, they had the Italian movie posters for Ra- for Raiders and Empire. That was great. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then, yeah, just before, because we get the one more, the last little thing in the restaurant before they go away, is the... Major D comes, Martin Ferrer comes back out and he says, I'm sorry, we have to close the restaurant. The rest of the staff isn't taking Luigi's death as well as I am. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he apologizes. comes out of the rest of that. Yeah. And he, he gives them the bill and Fraser's like, the bill for what? And he gets all <laughs> disgusted in a very haughty, you know, sort of European way and rips it up in front of him. He goes, keep your money. He's like, go back to Pittsburgh, USA. <laughs> and my, fa- my favorite sort of clap back, he goes, keep your money and your cowboy boots and missiles. Yes. <laughs> or keep, <laughs> keep your money for your missiles. cowboy boots and I missiles. <laughs> I just love that it's Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pittsburgh yeah. Of all the places, it's Pittsburgh, USA, cowboy boots, and missiles. That, that's America summed up. <laughs> then, well, when we come back from the commercial, oh boy, we have this uh, this scene which 
is not telegraphed that it's a flashback. It lo- we 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 have no reason to think or like a, a daydream. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like it's you know like we're a regular part of the episode, but we're now on a location, a uh, nice little you know estate as Fraser and Diane are being married in like this small quaint Italian ceremony. And Sam shows up there, and I am not sure when they filmed this scene, but Shelley Long does not look pregnant at all again. So, mm-hmm. so this was must have been pretty early on. They they knew what they were doing. Because um, Sam is going to have to lift her up and carry her away in this one. But yeah, Sam Sam runs out there and he professes his love, and Fraser protests for like half a second, and then you know, there uh, Sam cuts him off and says, you know, she, we're, I'm sorry, Fraser, but we're made for each other. And Fraser is like, okay, I, I get it, and he's he acquiesces to them way too quickly. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. and then as the, the, the as he's uh, as Sam picks her up and carries her off, the film gets a little grainy. I don't know if that's intended to to kind of tell you that this is a little bit of a, a dream thing, or if it was just something with the. The film stock that they were shooting and what they could restore, but it, it, yeah, it's weird. And then she gives this whole thing about how she'll always stay faithful to him, even if that means he needs to, you know, or she wants him to be fulfilled, even if that means he needs to stay st- like sleep with other women. And oh boy, <laughs> it's like like that, once he wakes up, it's like, is that Sam's dream? Like, does that is that what he wants? He wants her, but not just her. Like, we were talking about that. Yeah. First of all, what I do love about that dream itself is how well it's done. It's while you're watching it unfold, you know, it, at first you're like, it doesn't come across as it's a dream. Pretty quickly you realize it is, but I, but I think the way it's paced, it seems like it's Diane's. Mm-hmm. Until Sam starts talking, talking that way and then you realize, <laughs> oh my God, this is Sam's it's dream. It's Sam's dream, yeah. I love that. And, and I think even by that point, that was Sam already starting to wake up into his dream and just degenerate more into, you know, him. He yeah. Was, I mean, it would have been the equivalent of, and and here's a pony. Right, that's that was kind of the way I interpreted it too. Like it, it's a daydream that he's having at the bar. I don't think that that's what he expects. I don't think that that's actually what he's after. I think that's just kind of how the idea manifests in his head at first. Because you know, Sam has to think about things for a little while before he can be mature about anything. Right, um, and so, but that's what gets the ball rolling in him thinking. No, I've I've actually got to do something about this. Yeah, it starts off as sort of a flight of fancy, and by the end of it, before like Carla wakes him up by throwing like an olive or something at his head, something at him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before that is, it's sort of like it it evolves into like what would be his ideal situation or something like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like you going back to what you were talking about how. Frazier and Sam wind up becoming decent friends. You know, even in Sam's fantasy, he envisions a situation where Frazier's okay with the whole thing and doesn't because he doesn't mm-hmm. want him to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Oh I, yeah, I think that's nice. That's yeah, nice. yeah, it's not like Romeo and Paris have to fight, you know, over the body or something <laughs> like that. Like, this is like he's like, yeah, you know, and he, like he even waves them and wishes them good luck as they go away. You know, he he doesn't want to <laughs> hurt this guy. And actually, I mean. Later on, by the end of the episode, when he's when he's rushing off there, he's like, "I'm not doing this for me or even for Diane. I'm doing this for Fraser. No one yeah. deserves to be married to that woman." Yes. <laughs> Which, so, but yeah, but before that, you know, he kind of like jumps out and he's like, "Could I?" He's like, "Could I even make it to you know Florence in time to stop this wedding?" And Cliff, he's he actually, yeah. you know, he's like, uh, "He's like, you could get there in eight hours, thirty-seven minutes, twenty-two seconds with a good tailwind." 
And and I, I really like how they, there's something about like the way they play Cliff in this one is sort of like Johnny on the spot as Sam's like little like like lieutenant who's got his back here in this. Yeah. Because Carla and Norm are like Carla is desperately like you're an idiot and Norm is like I wouldn't but whatever I'm not gonna stop you. Yeah. Um, but Cliff is like right there for him and and when Sam is like you've got a travel agent he's like yeah of course I got a good one he, he's like gives her the gives Cliff the phone he's like call her. Carla takes the phone away and hangs up for him, and she's trying to stop him. Sam just gives him the little phone gesture with his thumb and his pinky. Mm-hmm. And as, he's just, as, as Carla is talking to him, Sam just looks at Cliff, gives him the signal, and Cliff picks up the phone, and he's going right back to it. Um, and he comes back with more information than <laughs> anyone would have wanted. He's got, he has the, I wrote them down. He's got the full specs. He's like, there's a flight leaving in 45 minutes. It's a 747 wide body, flight 893. The captain is Omar Wilkins. Good man. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like the in-flight movie is blame it on rio <laughs> edited for flight viewing he's like and i recommend the chicken diablo <laughs> my mother informed me at the time we were watching it that the cut scene that they show taking up that that is a 760 and not a 747 oh wow let us not however just gloss over carla's i thought it was really funny you're a raging borealis <laughs> I love that because then Cliff's like, well, let's you take the polar route and then you get whatever the pockets created by the Aurora Borealis. You're a raging Borealis. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> the answer was interesting. I mean, the writer was not a usual Cheers writer. I mean, he's written a couple. He was, he's from Taxi, mostly. Mm-hmm. I knew him from there. And I think because of him coming in with a relatively new I managed to kind of create this a little more zany interaction between them, which, you know, has everything that you normally do. Carla's, you know, being violent. You know. <laughs> Rips Cliff's mustache oh, off. God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's fun. I also love the implication that, you know, when Sam does charge out of there eventually, that Carla's like, all right, well, screw it. You two are staying and helping me close this place. <laughs> yes, I'll give you some beers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, was, that was a fun little family moment. Yeah. Um... Sam thinks about it. He's like, this is the craziest thing I've ever considered. And he asks Norm, and Norm says, you guys don't work together. He's like, he's like, you're, you're, you're terrible together. You stink. And he's like, well, Sam is like, I'm going to do it. He's like, yep, yeah, that's what I would do. Um, and then as Sam is out there, uh, Carla's like, hey, check out that babe down the hall or something like that. And Sam looks, mm-hmm. and Carla's like, you see? I told you. He's like, you're, you're, she, she calls him a hound. She's like, you live for the hunt. You don't want, you don't want to do this. I, I'm... So Sam's motivation here, and I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to understand if his motivation is entirely pure. Does he want to marry Diane, or does he just want to keep her available? And mm. is that is that selfish on his part? Mm. That's a very good question. Or not? And, and or is it mutually exclusive? Because I think I mean there, there's definitely a way of looking at Sam as a jerk who wants to go and break up a, what could be a happy marriage. Um, and, and Frazier and Diane could be entirely happy together. But he also knows that before she gave Frazier an answer, she called him. I think he knows that – that I think Sam believes that she wants him more, but she's she's scared of what a relationship would be. It's not it, – it, it, he said it when in the episode when she left. You know, he can't promise her the security that Frazier can promise her. But he, I think he believes that she loves him and that – to commit to Fraser would be what I said was a consolation prize. It was it's her second choice. Is he going to try and stop her to save her from that, mm. or I don't is he doing it for himself? Or are the two mutually exclusive? I don't know. I don't think he knows. 
I think he is just completely in the moment here, reacting entirely from that phone call, you know, where he thought he was looking at it completely in terms of I'm one up on her right now. I'll still have a chance. You know, there's no way they'll ever actually get married because, blah. oh, you are actually getting married. Well, I got to do something to stop that. What am I going to do? I don't know. I'll figure it out once I'm there. Mm -hmm. I don't think he was being malicious about it because Sam's not a malicious person. But I don't think I think. It's kind of um, symptomatic or uh, metaphorical of their entire relationship, as I see it, is that it's a muddled mess with no plan mm-hmm. that is ultimately yeah. going to fail. Yeah, I mean, That's it's a good point. not. And I think that this situation is really meant to show us that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, with with the with the intention that he is going to potentially break up a wedding. Because we like Frasier, too, at this point. Frasier is not a bad guy. Frasier is not, like, Sumner, like Diane's old boyfriend or something like that. You know, we've grown to like Frasier. So we don't think of Frasier as the villain of this show. We don't want Frasier to get hurt any more than we want anybody to get hurt. So to have Sam run off and break up that wedding could make Sam look like a jerk, could make us feel bad about him. But I think they give him the other out because... When Sam is on the plane, Diane calls back hoping that he's on the plane. They do give us that second time, that second occasion where Diane wants an out. She wants an excuse. So I I think they're telling us where Diane's heart really lies. And then just, you know, the, the sort of... The, the mistake of timing and, and the bad answering machine message or something like that uh, mm. freaks her out. So it, it sets her off like uh, on this cliffhanger where she's going to get married right away, maybe before Sam can even arrive. So interesting. And then even, but Sam, even when he's on the plane, he almost kind of starts hitting on the on the stewardess. So. Oh, he right. totally scams on the on the yeah. flight attendant. That's the last thing that he does in yeah. the episode. And I'm just and I'm sitting here watching it like, of course, that's exactly how this ends. <laughs> well, and even more so if you go back to. Like my interpretation of how I was looking at it, he, it's not even that he's scamming on her. He's having her wait just in case he needs to, to be able to scam on her. Mm, he says, so "Hold tight, I might need some." Because that's how he sees thinking, women to yeah. a degree. I think I think there's a lot of conflict there that he goes through a whole bunch of stuff, and at this point in particular, yeah. um, <laughs> the the flight attendant in question. I, I just kind of going through some of the other uh, guest appearances in this one. The flight attendant is played by Susan Case. She has five credits between 1982 and 1985, including Knight Rider, The Right Stuff, The Fall Guy, and The Master. <laughs> this episode of Cheers was her last credit on IMDb. Um, the Priest in the Wedding Scene is played by Dan Galliani. He has nine credits, which five from the 80s, The White Shadow, Falcon Crest, Hardcastle, and McCormick, and then a few more in like the 2000s, um, including the show Blackmail. Um, so we kind of like took a couple decades off. Um, the waiter, Martin Ferrero, as I mentioned, um, uh, the guy who plays Danny Corelli, um, James V. Christie, he appeared in Raging Bull. Uh, he like two dozen shows like Matlock, Jake and the Fat Man, The Streets of San Francisco, Columbo, a lot of genre shows like that in the, the 70s, 80s, 90s, stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, trying to think if there were any other. I can't believe I confused. St. Elsewhere with St. Elmo's Fire. I mean, actually, I, I totally can, but I'm sad that I did it into a microphone. <laughs> you know what? I, ironically, Saint El- I will bring up St. Elsewhere in the next episode of Cheerscast, which is the uh, the mailbag episode, because oh. there is a very specific Cheers uh, and St. Elsewhere crossover that oh, I'm crossover, going to be talking right. about with I John Trumbull. love that crossover. We're gonna, I'm going to be talking about that with John Trumbull on the next episode. Awesome. So. 
It's it, weird. <laughs> it is really odd. I, I, yeah, I, I'm just going to, I mean, I'll, I talk about it with John for about 10 minutes, but it's just, it's weird. So. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. Uh, for, uh, for Norm's tab, he had four beers in this episode, uh, which brings him to 286 for the series up to this point. Um, every season, he hasn't gotten 100, but he's been around the 90 range, the 80-90 range. Um, for the employees of the week, the MVP of uh, this episode, Maggie, who did you have? Oh, my MVP is absolutely the waiter <laughs> in, in the restaurant, hands down. Not only did he have to, you know, buck himself up from burying Luigi earlier in the day, <laughs> but his delivery of those lines was just screamingly funny. I love that bit and, and tied it in with, you know, my, my love for Frasier as well. So for sure, absolutely goes to the waiter. To, to be able to capture a grief that is so raw that it is physical. Yes. You, fe- you, fe- you feel like somebody is squeezing his heart. Like, I'm like, sad that Luigi's dead and he's not real. <laughs> <laughs> and this is from the 80s. He died a long time ago. And he's not even a character we ever know. It's completely awesome. Exactly. And I feel bad. <laughs> just like, Luigi. To, to be like biting and like squeezing his like teeth together just to like hold yes. it together. It's oh, like, so oh good. my God. Okay. Very funny. Um, John? <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, it's okay. I felt like across the... No, no, I'm with him for everything he said and more. And, and then building up to the end where they lay head with the bill. For what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this yeah. place is overrated. <laughs> yeah. Tears it up and says... Cowboy boots. Missiles. Say, keep your money for your cowboy boots and missiles. Uh, the calamari the Luigi... <laughs> very good. Uh, yeah, I, I, he he absolutely is the MVP. He just that that scene just steals everything. Um, my runner up for the MVP, I I would actually give it to Cliff. Um, I th- I think Cliff in his like few scenes in this from the the weird non teaser at the beginning where he's doing his obscene phone call thing is is kind of funny. Um, he's got he's got the line when um we we sort of alluded to it when Sam is first taking out the the answering machine and Carla says something and Cliff goes, "I know you think it's a convenience, but it's a poor substitute for a human being, and I think you should trash it." And Sam, are you kidding? This is an expensive machine. Cliff goes, "No, I was talking about Carla." Yeah. And then she rips off half his mustache. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But then one of his better rips on Carla, he doesn't get too many of them. It is, it's true, yeah. He, he doesn't. True. And and going forward, he we like I mean, as the show progresses, Cliff it becomes more and more clear that Cliff is the bottom of the totem pole and, and right. he doesn't get to come back at Carla like that. But then yeah, just everything with him like on the phone with the uh with the, the travel agent and getting all the info for Sam. Like after he does that whole information dump about the the, the flight with the flight number and the pilot Omar Wilkins and mm-hmm. Sam Sam like shakes his hand like he did him a solid and it's like that's a really good friend and everything. And, like that, that's a good Cliff moment. So Cliff would be my distant runner up because it's obviously the the waiter. And yeah. for the home run and the whole scene in the restaurant, every like the whole sequence, everything in Luigi's. Pick a line from there. If uh, <laughs> my my close runner up though, the one that actually the line that actually made me laugh the hardest was what it was probably due to in the midst of everything else that was going on and cutting back and forth. It cuts to Cliff just sitting there at the table. It's like yeah, as far as I know, Paul Revere never went to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it was just in the midst of this, this absurd stupidity and. And the reaction of the other two was not, oh, here's Cliff again. They're just kind of, huh. Like, one of them <laughs> asked him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was just part of the conversation. 
Oh, that was good. That was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, gosh, it's like I said. It, it's a it's a fascinating episode because it's got one of the funniest like scene sequences, but it feels very kind of separate from the rest of the world because it's not in Cheers. It's not with our main cast. I I, I, I never even thought about it, but I think you're both absolutely right. That is a microcosm of what Frasier could be. Like, like they basically they they did a mini pilot, a backdoor pilot for Fraser eight years early. <laughs> yep, testing the waters a little bit. Yeah, and it shows just how how great the characters are and why why you'd want to bring Kelsey Grammer back for more and why why we haven't seen the last of them. Um, the rest of the episode, it's 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 funny, it's emotional. Like Sam and Diane are great despite the fact that they're never in the same room together. Um, but yeah, their their chemistry and it's uh, it's a fascinating look and it's we've now seen the third phase of their relationship. You know, in season one it was the will they get together when they're just kind of flirting around and and they're so different. The second one is they are together. Why are they together? What's keeping them <laughs> together? And how soon can they break up? And then the third one is they had a terrible breakup and now can they? still work together can they see each other can they be friends by i mean by now we've seen okay they've they've tried this but is is that enough is just being friends and and not being a couple can that sustain or do they have to give it a another shot we'll find out uh any final thoughts before we go i think we covered that quite well i think we i think we did a good job on that Ah, i have nothing else to say is what i mean yeah i have nothing else I have nothing else to share. No, I think we nailed it. This was a, it's a pretty good one. It leads very nicely into the next season and into kind of, well, into a literal new phase of years from. Yes, we will. We, we will definitely get a new era because uh, we get a new cast member in the fourth season. We get the introduction of Woody Boyd, played by Woody Harrelson, and that's going to be a completely new kind of feel for the show. So we are really, you know, bidding adieu to one era of Cheers. John, Maggie, I want to thank both of you for being my guests on this episode to help me cover the finale. Uh, where else can people find you if they want to hear more from you in the podcastoverse? Ah, uh, we, um, our main show right now is uh, married with or married watching cartoons. It's so new we can't is, even remember. <laughs> right, in which one, in which Maggie and I take turns uh, bringing the other one a cartoon uh, that the other one might not be as familiar with. We also alternate that with issues. Uh, our episodes of the Rod Pod, which are, are where we cover Transform IDW Transformers Phase Two comics. In order, the two of us also appear over on the Longbox Crusade Network, where we do Trans- Transformers Chronicles: The Marvel Years. Uh, you can find us there on Longbox Crusade. Otherwise, look for us just by pointing your podcatcher still to Married with Comics. That might change in a bit, but in the meantime, find us that way. Very, very cool. I like the uh, the Married Watching Cartoons change of format. I like the Smurfs episode that you did. I, lo- mm. I, I loved it just the, the episode you did before that when you were talking about the Fantastic Four wedding issue just because you played the, the theme from that cartoon that I love. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so good. All right. Thank you both again. And thanks to all of you out there who listen to Cheers Cast and support the show by liking and sharing on Facebook, favoriting and retweeting on Twitter, and leaving a comment on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Mike Gillis from Radio vs. the Martians, Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, and Ashford from the Right On Network, who sponsored this show. For more information on how you can support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network, 
please visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thanks everyone for listening, and until next time, we're closed. Welcome to Luigi's. Our uh, world-renowned chef, Luigi, would like to welcome you personally, but uh, he's dead. (laughs) We uh, bury him this morning. Uh, Is uh, this table satisfactory? You buried him this morning, and you're open for business? Yes. uh, It was one of Luigi's last wishes. Would it be easier on you if we left? No, 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 no. The uh, uh, new man is a very fine cook. He uh, studied under the world's greatest uh, chef. (laughs) (laughs) Stay, stay, prego. Well, uh, we're very hungry. Uh, Can you recommend an appetizer? Uh, Yes, the... Calamari a Luigi! <laughs> it's very good. Grazie. Well, uh, we'll have an order of that and uh, a bottle of your best Chianti. Yeah. Boy, can I show a girl a good time or what, huh? <laughs>